0: Today's episode of Green with Envy is brought to you by the Manakis Companies, your Dorchester-centric realtor. Spelled M-A-N-E-I-K-I-S, Charlie Manakis is Dorchester's most trusted realtor. With 55 years of residency in Dorchester, Charlie has deeply rooted community relationships that help connect the dots to deliver trusted home buying and home listing services. Visit themanakiscompanies.com to learn more what
1: up what up what up what up welcome into another edition of green with envy podcast it's your boy will we're checking in as always with my main man my best friend and the coach on this podcast greg Menakis. what up boy
0: yo how you doing bro we switching it up today we got you doing the little intro uh taking the kind of spot as the guest i kind of dig this man we got a lot to get to tonight
1: show you ain't never lie man we got a jam-packed show today so we're gonna hit you with a little quick COVID update here on the COVID season just a little bit end of the podcast the main part of the podcast we're gonna dig into a Twitter topic that we got going a few days ago we're talking about the TPE the traded player exception how it works what it means and then most importantly who can we use it on we're gonna hit you with a couple options that we got but Just like everybody else today, our day got real fucked up by James Harden. bomb coming at you in the middle of the day. So there's only one place for us to start, and that's with the James Harden trade. So let me set it up for you, and I'll swing it over to the coach. Here's what happened. We got four teams involved, the Nets, the Rockets, the Pacers, and the Cavs. The Nets end up with James Harden. The Rock end up with Victor Oladipo, some filler salary, three unprotected first-round picks from Brooklyn, plus four unprotected swaps from Brooklyn between now and 2027, as well as a first-round pick from the Cleveland Cavaliers that originally belonged to the Milwaukee Bucks. That will be in 2022. So overall, eight first-round picks going to the Houston Rockets. Eight. That's right. I didn't stutter. I didn't mess that up. That's eight first-round picks. Indiana Pacers in this deal, they end up getting Karis LeVert, plus a second-round pick. And then the Cleveland Cavaliers end up with Jared Allen and Torian Prince. We said we had a lot to get into. Greg, what jumps out to you, man? What you thinking?
0: Well, I mean, like you said, it just completely messed up my work day. You know, I found I got, I came back, I think I was on uh, lunch break or something. I come back from my lunch break and I just got like a million text messages on my lunch breaks. So I like to uh, kind of put the phone away for a little bit after spending too much of my work day actually on Twitter. <laughs> so I come back and I just got like a, a million messages from you, from my brother, from all the different basketball chats that I'm in. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, I was shocked at the hall that the rockets got man after the way that james harden just like forced his way out of there um you know you would you would think that on some level the price would have been driven down but there were so many teams that you know were trying to acquire Harden specifically the philadelphia 76ers yeah. and the nets that that price i mean you see what happened man it's very rare that you see this type of haul for one player and I mean, the Nets, my initial takeaway is the Nets got to win a championship in the next two years um, because if they don't, they might be screwed, man. And, you know, they already went through this with the KG deal and the Paul Pierce deal back in the day where they ended up missing out on Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown because of that trade. So, I mean, to acquire James Harden, you got to give up something, but they might be giving up the whole farm.
1: Yeah, man, they gave up a lot, and and you referenced the the Celtics trade with KG and and Paul Pierce, and turned into Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and and actually another pick that we traded in the Kyrie Irving deal turned into Colin Sexton, who's who's been having you know out in Sexland, been having a, a rejuvenated third year, so he might turn into somebody as well. But you know, the Nets are really the the main part that I think we need to talk about as Celtics fans, as NBA fans, like. This is monstrous. You know, you think about Harden, Durant, and Kyrie, who is just a whole other bag of stuff. That, that's a whole different Ooh. angle, which, you know, we'll see how much we get into that now. But, you know, just from the logistics of it, like you said, I you know, this is either—this is the definition of boom or bust. Yeah. Either, either you're winning a championship or two in the next two, maybe three-year window that you have here— or you're setting your franchise back for years to come, and, and the part that's hard for me, man, is is you know like I said, Kyrie is just such a mystery with what's going on right now. If whether or not he's in contact with the team, personal reasons, is it political reasons? Is he out at the club with his sister partying without a mask on? Like, I don't know. There's like 17 different things going on with that guy right now. So that's completely a mystery. And then you're bringing in, you know, James Harden into this mix. And, you know, even just – let's just talk about from a basketball standpoint. Do you think it works on the court with these guys?
0: Well, I think one of the – the first thing you have to ask yourself is, is Kyrie Irving coming back to the team, right? Because if it's just a James Harden and Kevin Durant thing, then I think, yeah, those guys can play together and they're going to be amazing. But when you add that third star into it who is the most uh, volatile personality of the three and, you know – probably the second most ball dominant, and the guy who is probably the least uh, talented of the three, as amazing as Kyrie is, he's not as good as James Harden or Kevin Durant. Which is wild, right? right?
1: Kyrie Irving's your third most talented player. That's a wild statement.
0: Exactly. So if you bring Kyrie back into the mix, like when I saw that they made the deal, my first thought was, mm, does this mean that Kyrie might be retiring? Does, is Kyrie not coming back? Are they doing this because they got Kevin Durant and Kevin Durant needs somebody to play with? And it's not him playing with Karis LeVert. You know, Karis LeVert's good, but he's not a star. Kevin Durant came to Brooklyn to play with Mm -hmm. another star, and Kyrie Irving is, is just not there, right? So they need to make that move. And I think another really important point is the city of New York is up for grabs in terms of basketball right now, right? Like, if there ever were a time... For Brooklyn to maybe gain some fans and take some Knicks fans, it's now, right? They got the stars, so you might as well go all in. If it doesn't work out, then I mean you're kind of right back where you were, where you're playing second fiddle. You're the Clippers uh, to the, to the Knicks. You know what I mean? Um, so. I think you, you got to swing for the fences. They're going for a championship. They're trying to put themselves down on the block as, you know, we're the baddest basketball team in New York. And get, getting James Harden at 31 years old, you know, you're setting yourself up for a three year window where you're definitely the, the team to beat in the Eastern Conference.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I totally agree with the first thing you said. Harden and Durant is a very easy fit together. I mean, they're almost similar to. Before they made this trade and before Kyrie is doing whatever Kyrie's doing, you know, Kyrie and Durant, they fit together very well. And then you have the pieces around them. And we even touched on one of our early season pods watching, you know, the Nets against the Celtics early in the season and even a little bit of the preseason. Like, man, I don't even know if the Nets need to make this trade. I actually kind of like the way these other players fit in around, you know, it's you know, around, Harden, or excuse me, around Durant and Kyrie at the time. You know, they all fit into these certain roles of, you know, Levert was a clear number three. Dinwiddie could take over some ha- some ball handling responsibility. He's out for the season anyways with an injury. But Joe Harris is the perfect, you know, shooter that you want off of them to create space. Jared Allen's down there protecting the rim. He doesn't need plays run for him. So they had a team that probably needed a little bit more you know, wing or defense, defense either on the wing or in the backcourt as like, you know, a rotation guy to be a truly complete team. Um, so I don't, so that's where I struggle with this. I don't even know if they really needed to make this deal unless it's like you said, if Kyrie's not coming back and you're just like, yeah, we can't just have Duran out here with this, so we'll go get another star. But then, okay, so so humor me with this. Okay, You're the coach of out of the two of us on this podcast. So So humor me that Kyrie comes back, kumbaya, figure out a way to make it that he's he's going to be happy. How does this work where I, I would assume their closing lineup or their starting lineup is something to the tune of Harden, Kyrie, Durant, Joe Harris, and then probably DeAndre Jordan, maybe Jeff Green if they go real small ball for, for whatever reason. How does that work on the quarter? Do you think it can work?
0: Yeah, of course it can work. Of course it can work. You know, they're they're too talented for it not to work. Um, And they're all – Aside from Harden, Kyrie, when he wants to, can play defense. You know, Joe Harris is a solid positional defender. Kevin Durant is an elite defender. Jeff Green is a, is a pretty good, you know, versatile defender who can guard one through four, five in a pinch. Um, De- playing DeAndre Jordan in crunch time, you know, losing Jared Allen in that deal, to me, is one of the biggest parts of that deal. Like, if they could have gotten that deal done without giving out Jared Allen, I love this deal for them. But Jared Allen is, you know, a potential all-NBA defensive center, and he's far better than DeAndre Jordan. He was outplaying DeAndre Jordan all year. DeAndre Jordan had just got benched. So now you're expecting DeAndre Jordan, who's washed, to potentially be in your closing five? I don't see that. Um, I see them going with that small ball, li- small ball lineup where they're relying on their offense to carry them and just Kevin Durant and Jeff Green to hold down the back line. And James Harden, once again, um, people know that James Harden can guard in the post, right? You know, especially with this extra twenty-five pounds that he got on him, uh, looking <laughs> like big perk. My man had a pregame meal, loss. <laughs> <fit> <laughs> that was hilarious. Uh, yeah, but I I think that they can make it work. You know, I don't think anyone's going to be able to punish anybody in that lineup down low. You know, so I I don't think they have to worry about it. Um, if the Warriors could make it work with that lineup that they had. Uh, I think that the the Nets can at least reproduce some of that if Kevin Durant is 100% healthy, which he looks like he is.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think for me the biggest difference between this and the Warriors lineup is Klay Thompson and Draymond Green are all, sure. all defensive-level sure. you know, defenders. So... You know, I you know I, I get what you're saying. It's it, it's not quite the same as a whole lot of buckets on that team, though. You know, I was I was joking around that. You know, I think all of their daily scores are going to be one fifty to one forty five now at this point. Like, I mean, offensively, I really think if Harden, Durant, and Kyrie just get together and say, "Yo, f it, we're making this work," like they like you said, they're too talented to not make it work. It's Just a matter of mixing the personalities and who's willing to sacrifice what. Game to game, possession to possession. I don't know. It, it's gonna. It's it's not gonna be easy. I don't think.
0: Yeah, and you know, I, I as you were talking right there, I kind of just had this vision of a NBA finals or Eastern Con- Conference finals where they're all taking you know one shot down the stretch, and now it's your turn to shoot. Now it's your turn to shoot, and they get one possession where like yep. they all get one shot and they all brick it. Um, you know, so I I, I definitely think that they're gonna face a lot of challenges. Steve Nash being a first time coach. Um, he's gonna—he's he, in over his head, man. You know, he's lucky he's got D'Antoni there with him because if he didn't, he'd be screwed. It's—it's um, it's gonna take a while for them to, to work out. I think that the the actual basketball fit is a little bit more natural than you know putting together the the initial Heatles team with okay. Wade, LeBron and Bosh. I think they just make a little bit more sense in terms of spacing. Um, and Kevin Durant, you know, he 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 knows how to play off the ball. He's fine playing off the ball. So. You know, as much as you want the ball in KD's hands, he still is one of the best players off the ball as well. So I think KD, you'll see KD playing off the ball a lot, and uh, the ball in James Harden's hands. And Kyrie, um, you know, he he, he can't play off the ball. He wants the ball in his hands, but he, he can mm-hmm. shoot off off the catch as well. So I think James Harden is probably the best of the three of them with the ball in his hands. So I would imagine he's going to have the ball in his hands uh, in crunch time and he's going to be making the decisions for them which I, I don't know if that wins you a championship but I think that's the reality
1: yeah it's I don't know it's going to be fascinating to see the way that that all plays out there's just so many different angles that are going to play themselves out it's going to be something we talk about you know much more on this so let's go to the other parts of this trade before we, we move on for an update on the COVID Celtics so the Rockets end up with Oladipo and eight unprotected first round picks between now and I believe it's 2027 Pacers end up with Lavert in a second round pick Cavs Jared Allen and Torian Prince if I'm being real I think all three of these teams did pretty well in this trade I, I think all three of them got better both in the short term and the long term all the way around
0: yeah I mean the the Rockets you gotta love just I mean Taking Harden off the team right now, the cancer that he was, I mean, you saw the way you saw the boogie press conference. I saw you tweet about it. Yeah. I mean, they were just done with Harden. They were pissed at him. They were like, get the hell out of here, dude. Like, nobody wants you here. If you don't want to be here, get out. And mm-hmm. I think that, it, you know, with the Harden press conference last night, it was like, oh, shoot. Like, you don't see this type of stuff in the NBA. Yeah.
1: That was that was yeah. the breaking point. There's no coming back from, from that, what happened last night.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So I think the Rockets are just, I would imagine over the next month, you're going to see some good. Basketball in Houston, just because they're gonna have that weight off their shoulders of not having James Harden, like the actual weight of James Harden on their shoulders anymore. (laughs) Um, So second, James Harden, fat joke of the night. Uh, The Pacers, I love them getting Karis Levert. I think that he he's gonna add a lot. Oladipo, you know, talking to some of my Pacers fans friends, they were kind of done with Oladipo. They wanted to move on from him, so they're excited to get Karis Levert. Um, You know, he adds I think he's a little bit redundant with T.J. Warren, um, but he I, who's I also won. out. Who's also out for this year? Oh, is this he?
1: Is yeah. He. I forget what the injury is, but he's out at least until maybe the playoffs. I think there's a chance okay. he come back around them, but he, but he's out for the regular season. Okay.
0: Well, as I, I as missed as that, as so he's a great TJ Warren replacement. <laughs> great move by <laughs> the pitts Fits right in.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh. So yeah, I, I love that for them. And then with the Cavs, man, you get Jared Allen, who's what twenty two. Twenty two. And Welcome I mean that, that that dude. I was so impressed with Jared Allen. Um, I You know, I didn't love him at Texas. I thought he was underutilized at Texas. And then in the league, he's just been great, man. Blocking shot, like highlight blocks at the rim. But he's also developed a great defensive IQ. He's got great defensive instincts. And I was impressed with his ability to to guard on the perimeter in the bubble. I thought he did a really good job moving his feet. And I think the Cavs stole one there, man.
1: Yeah, you you mentioned on Twitter, you were, you were a little upset to see that the Celtics didn't... You know, and we don't know, obviously, behind the scenes, if the Celtics were trying to get in this. I, I mentioned to you that... I saw her on uh, on Twitter a little bit. That it seemed like as this deal became more imminent, and that there was going to be a team needed to help facilitate some contracts, filler, you know, just make some of the logistics work. There were a few teams that had called, but it was just a little bit too late. The deal was already done. Because if you look at this from the Cavs' perspective, they brought in Jared Allen and Torian Prince, who's not you don't don't sleep on Torian Prince. He's a, he's a rotation he's a guy. Yeah, yeah Torian, Torian Prince is a real piece. You know, he's not he's not a cornerstone, but that's a real guy. That's a real mm-hmm. player. That you know, as a Celtics fan, I'd love Torian Prince in our rotation. That'd be freaking fantastic. That would yeah. be that would be amazing. So. They get those two guys, and all they really gave up was a little bit of salary filler in, in Dante Exum, and then they gave away a first round pick that wasn't even theirs to begin with. And it's the Bucks. The Bucks are going to be the Bucks just locked up Giannis. It's just for 2022. They're good. as long as Giannis is healthy. That that pick is going to be you know number 26 or later. So you're giving up a pick a year or two from now in the late twenties, and you're getting a twenty-two year old Jalen Allen and Torian Prince, who I don't know his age, but I know he's not. He's also pretty young as well, and you get two really nice pieces, and you barely gave up anything. That's a great move by the Cavs.
0: I, I don't understand how they did it. They swindled it, man.
1: They... Right? I might. I mean, it might just be timing. I think it could be right time, right place. Because you know, like when we look at it from a Celtics perspective, shit. I would definitely give up our first round pick this year or or next year and throw in, I don't know who, who, I don't know what Dante Exum was making, but who's our filler? We got to throw in Carson Edwards, you know, or something or whatever it was. Yeah, I mean, Dante Exum's
0: not any better. I mean, when was the last time you heard Dante Exum's name?
1: Yeah, exactly. That's so, I mean, I'll give up a non-piece and a late first round pick and I can get Jared Allen and Torian Prince. Yo, where's the paper? Sign me up. (laughs)
0: It's, it's it's frustrating man it's really frustrating I, I that was a great move by cleveland that that future's looking bright in cleveland man with Sexland and uh jared allen now uh, i i think that they're putting themselves in position to be a pretty good squad moving forward
1: yeah they got a lot of big men i'm sure they're gonna make another move a couple moves here throughout the season i don't know if you know they had a hot start they're falling back to earth now they're, they're under 500 we'll see uh, center Drummond? Up. uh it's Drummond, but they also have larry nance they got kevin love they let go of thon maker i think they have one or two other guys there um so they do have a little bit of a um uh, of a clustering going on there at the big man spot, but they might be able to get some value out of it. I don't like Andre Drummond, I, but I think there might be someone that will throw you something for him. He's on an expiring contract. So yeah. something to keep an eye on before we move away from this and head into the uh, COVID Celtics up I got one question for you. All right. What would, what would you rather, if you're the Rockets, are you happier with these eight picks or if you could have worked out a deal to get Ben Simmons? Eight picks.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Apex. Um, I, I don't know that Ben Simmons works with the roster that they have right now anyway. And, you know, he hasn't been the game changer that I, you know, we, we, you would hope he would be 10 games into this season. Um, he, he hasn't shown that much improvement. You, you want him to have his own team, but is the Rockets roster that he would be going to the team that you want him going to? I don't necessarily know. And I think that as many shots as you can take down the road, um, you, you got to take them, man. Eight first-round picks, you can't turn that down. That yeah. that's amazing. You know, if one thing goes wrong with that team, then you know the 2024 pick might be great. You never know. You know, it might come sooner than you think. And um, you know, Ben Simmons, I, I I love Ben Simmons. I think that he uh, gets a lot of shit in the media for his inability to shoot, but you still need him to shoot a little bit, and he's still mm-hmm. not shooting. So I would rather yeah. have those. I would have rather have those picks for sure. And I, I, what I would have liked was to figure out a way to get Jared Allen in the deal.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, you know, I, those eight first-round picks give you so much versatility going forward. And I even think the Oladipo uh, pickup for them is, you know, it's a free look at Oladipo. Mm-hmm. See if him, John Wall, Boogie, Eric Gordon, is that anything? If it's not you have a bunch of assets that you can also then continue to move yeah. and, and get some more guys back for. So I think the Rockets set themselves up really nicely here. I, I Just like you, I, I really want to see Ben Simmons with his own team. Maybe one day. Rockets, like you said, probably weren't the right fit the way they're set up right now. They probably mm-hmm. have to continue to readjust. So I don't know. Maybe one day ben, we'll get to see what Ben Simmons looks like on his own. But we can only, we can only hope and wish. But with that. Let, let's head into the Celtics for a minute here and let, let's talk about COVID and what's going on. This has kind of been beaten to death over the last few days. We know COVID's, you know, I don't even want to say it's running all over the NBA because it's, what it is is the protocols, the way that they're put into place. The tracing is so strict that if you look at a team like the Celtics, so to keep everybody up to date, we're recording this on a Wednesday night. This was supposed to be a night where we're playing the Orlando Magic. As of right now, our games against the Miami Heat on Sunday, the Bulls on Tuesday, the Magic, tonight, the night of this recording, have all been postponed. Friday is still up in the air. For the Celtics, there's actually only two guys that have tested positive for COVID-19, Robert Williams and Jason Tatum. Everyone else has been put into the health and safety protocol, which mandates a seven-day quarantine, which is why we haven't had the appropriate amount of players to go ahead and play these games. So updates that we have right now is that for the potential game on Friday, looks like Tristan Thompson and Grant Williams should be cleared to play. So that may open the door if all tests are clear and positive or clear and negative, I should say, uh, to allow that game to go forward. Kemba Walker also, which was supposed to be a main part of this podcast, was talking about Kemba Walker coming back. He still potentially might be available. I don't know that they will rush him in. It would be a little bit weird that since I'm Pretty much since last Friday when he was cleared to practice, the facility's been shut down. So he hasn't really had a chance to continue the ramp-up before he hops back into action. Um, let's pause there. Just give me some of your thoughts on the COVID Celtics and COVID around the NBA in general right now.
0: Yeah, well, we talked about it a little bit on the last pod. Um, I, I don't see how—well, I didn't see until I listened to the Zach Lowe podcast. Uh, where he brought on that doctor that kind of broke everything down. And I think he, what he have, Wojan as well? Um, I didn't really get it, to be honest with you. And what made a lot of sense to me was when they said that you can't mess with the product, right? The product is basketball. So everything that you can do around that to minimize risk, even though it might seem silly because you're still playing a game – that's what you have to do because you can't change the rules of the actual game between the lines, right? So once it was put into perspective like that for me, I was like, okay, that makes sense. You want to just minimize all possible risk outside of the 48 minutes that the guys are playing the game because that is what's making you money. So you can't mess with the product. Um, And in terms of the the Celtics, I just want to see them play again. (laughs) Like like I I love talking about the league, but I want to talk about my Celtics and, you know, Jason Tatum was just Eastern Conference Player of the Week right before he got COVID. Jalen Brown should have been Eastern Conference Player of the Week before friggin' Tobias Harris was Your named. boy. Your I boy, Tobias. God, Tobias Harris. You are, <laughs> you've, did it, you've done it again. Um... But it's it's just frustrating, man. I, I was really looking forward to seeing uh, the COVID Seas play at least one or two games. I wanted to see Taco get some minutes. I wanted to see uh, Carson Edwards just let it fly. Tremont Waters get some run. I wanted Naismith to get some minutes. You know, mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm I would probably be uh, considered a Naismith hater. Uh, but I just want to see That's the fair. I just want to see the kid develop. Like he's not good. He's not a good player right now. Like he needs time to develop, and it's not gonna happen in the G League right now. So it needs to happen at some point during the season. And this seemed like the week for him to get some run, and for him to make mistakes without the pressure of you know worrying about winning the games because it was pretty much a foregone conclusion that we weren't gonna win any of these games with with eight guys, you know, with none of the our best players playing. So. For me the biggest takeaway, um, I understand what the NBA is trying to do now. Uh, it sucks for the guys so they can't have their hotel guests anymore. Uh, <laughs> <you> know, the <laughs> yeah, internet the internet's a wild place, you can find plenty of things to keep you entertained.
1: <laughs> Yo, real quick, I like, I like it, it's just so crazy, I like the protocols that they went into this big like governor's meeting and you know, whatever woes and shams are were reporting on, and essentially what they walked away is, alright guys, here's what we've assessed as the COVID problems booty calls and daps that's pretty much what they walked away from was like all right no more no more roadies so no more having whoever's coming to visit you at the hotel on the road and then we need to watch out for daps only i think they said i think it was like only elbows and fist bumps no more like handshake like which is like you know it's out of like you said the, the Zach Lopak has helped to put it in the perspective of, you know, because whether or not that we should be having an NBA season, whether or not we should have an NFL season, MLB season, that's all, that's a whole other conversation. They're having the season. We're using that as the as the parameter. That's the product. And so the NBA is doing everything they can to try and just control, you know, they, they can't stop the product, but they can try to do their best to control everything outside of that. And that's why you see you know, these tight protocols, they're, they're testing twice a day. And I think part of that podcast, they talked about teams that are quote unquote, high risk might even start testing three times a day. Mm -hmm. And it's all about just cutting down that length of time in which it may go from negative, negative to positive and catching that ideally before, you know, they've already had, I think a Seth Curry situation where he was Mm -hmm. on the court, they found out it's positive to pull him off. And, you know, it's, it's, it's getting messy. It's getting slippery. You know, I, I'm really surprised that they didn't walk away addressing more of the roster size issues and, and anything in, in regards to that portion of it, mm-hmm. because I think that's where, you know, MLB and NFL have an advantage just how large the the roster sizes are. Um, and so I know that they've expanded a little, because there's no, there's no G league besides the G league bubble they're setting up, which you can opt in or out of. And so that's why we have taco and Tremont con- constantly being uh, available to kind of switch in. So there's 17 spots, but you know, it, it feels like they need even like a second set of reserves that are, you know, isolated to a certain area. Maybe it's a pool that the entire league pulls from, or it's like <laughs> a localized. I, yeah, I don't know, man. I'm like, I like that. You know what I'm saying? I think that could be kind of cool. It's like there's like these 20 designated guys that are, you know, they're in a, almost like a practice bubble themselves. So they're already in the testing protocols. And then when called upon, hey, the Celtics have seven people. Let's get J.R. Smith and uh, Alonzo Trier to Orlando so that they can play on the Celtics for the night, like or for the next week. You know, whatever. Hey, I don't hate mean. it. I mean, it's yes. a war- It's not. It's not a great solution, but it's a. It's a solution to have more warm bodies.
0: Yeah, and you know, we 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 kind of joked that the big three could be a cool uh, pool to cho- to to pull from. But if there were this bubble going on, right? Say it's the G League. Okay, the G League bubble that's happening right now. When that bubble is going on, all those guys are going through these protocols, it would make sense for the NBA to be able to feel good about pulling one of those guys from that bubble onto a roster if needed. right? What doesn't make sense to me... Is to just add more guys to the roster because the more guys you add to the roster, you're just like increasing the variability right. of they can't travel. If
1: they travel with the team, it, it ruins the whole, exactly. the whole point of it. They have exactly. to be like so. That's why I was saying a pool that the entire NBA can pull out of, or the, my other thought is you have you know three spots of guys that are legit, like you know very much like a like in football where you have the practice squad. They don't mm-hmm. travel to the games, but they you know. They live in Boston, they you know go in and out of the whatever the protocols are, they train at the Waltham facility yeah. and then they don't go on the road trips, but they're already in the protocols, they've been tested, they've been cleared, should they need to then get on a flight to go somewhere, you know that at least they're already good to go. At least up to that point they're good to go. Um I don't know there's going to be a few hours to, you can't account for between then yeah. and they get to the game, but I think that gives you at least a little better chance to get these games and if the plan is to just keep you know, putting our head down and plowing forward.
0: Yeah. You might not get the most talented guys, but you would definitely have people like really talented basketball players that would be willing, like Isaiah Thomas for one, that would be willing to just like quarantine themselves. If it meant they got their chance in the NBA again, you know what I mean? So it, there you would obviously have some other players that would probably break the protocols and do whatever they wanted to do and mess things up but i'm sure there are you know at least 20 really good basketball players out there that you could say hey would you do this? Would you 100% quarantine yourself if it meant that you could get called up to the majors yeah. at at certain point? You absolutely could find people that would be good enough. You know, it just as insurance. And that would be cool just that would be a really cool story like that one guy on the Lakers a few years back who was like in, like in his 30s and yeah. got that he was, like one he was, like, chance like, tutoring. to play. He
1: was like tutoring yeah. as like a side gig to make enough money and play in the G League and then yeah, you know, that guy was an awesome story.
0: Yeah, so like you would get cool stories like that, and obviously it, it it wouldn't be the best basketball, but it would at least still be basketball. And the season would go on, and um, you you would get some some cool content out of it at least.
1: Yeah, I think it's an idea. We'll see. I I, I don't think this. Uh, I like your idea, though. Uh, yeah, thank you, man. I appreciate that. I, I I felt pretty good about it when I threw it out on Twitter today. <laughs> so we'll we'll see what happens. I mean, I, this isn't going to be the last instance of hey. You know, the, the league's in trouble. We got to we gotta think about, are we going to pause? How are we going to adjust? I mean, you know, they have it built in where we haven't even released the second half, the second half schedule of the mm-hmm. season yet. So they have some buffer room. So I hope the NBA takes advantage of that. And, you know, they've done such, I think they've actually done a pretty admirable job up to this point with, given all the circumstances, from the bubble was a huge success to, mm-hmm. you know, trying to make this work right now you know there's there's gonna be bumps along the way that's all it is we'll deal with it as it goes but let's talk about some more fun shit yeah let's get back to some fun shit. one of the best things that we that at least for me that i love about listening to you know various podcasts is trade speculation free agent speculation what's gonna happen it's almost just as fun as the actual stuff that happens on the court is talking about this so one of the things that we started the other day as a dialogue on Twitter was talking about the trade exception and there's a particular player which I'm gonna I'm gonna leave him for you to talk about here in, in just a minute. And this is referring to a the largest, not just a trade exception, the largest trade exception in NBA history, which our very own Boston Celtics own. So what we're gonna do here, Greg, I want you to pull out, pull a stopwatch. Typically for Twitter and Instagram, they let us upload two minute and twenty second videos. I'm gonna attempt right now to try and explain what is the TPE, how it works, and how we can use it in the next two minutes and twenty seconds. Are
0: All right, you ready? ready, my dude? You see, you see it? We got, we got YouTube. We got video content right here. Let's go. <laughs> All right. All right. Give me, On give me,
1: con- a, give, give me a three, two, one, and then I'll, I'll get into it.
0: Okay. Three. Two, one, don't fuck up.
1: All right, the traded player exception, or the TPE as we call it, is generated from the Gordon Hayward signing with the Charlotte Hornets in this offseason. The traded player exception is worth the exact amount of Gordon Hayward's first-year salary with the Charlotte Hornets. That equals out to 28.5 million for this year. So, what does that mean? What can the Celtics do with that 28.5 million? Can they go ahead and go out and trade for Bradley Beal with that 28.5? let me break your hearts real quick Celtics fans no we cannot so the trade exception itself works by itself you cannot add it to any other contracts to then be able to take on and receive salary above that 28.5 million dollar mark from other teams so therefore you cannot take that exception combine it with Marcus Smart in some delusional world and then receive Bradley Beal back in a trade that doesn't work and it's not just for the trade exception reason However, something you can do with it, you can split it. So that 28.5 million can be used on one player, it can be used on two players, it can be used on three, you just can't exceed that 28.5 but you can break it up and use it in smaller bits and pieces. What do the Celtics have to give up if they want to use this trade exception? The Celtics must give up something in return, can't just accept a player if a team is trying to get off them and give them away for nothing, which for one reason or another that doesn't actually really make any sense for a team to do. So the Celtics must give up at least a draft pick or a player contract or it can be a combination of both. The benefit is that unlike in normal trade circumstances that you do not have to match the incoming salary with what's going out. May have heard something about a hard cap. How does this affect the cap and us being taxed? Right now, the Celtics have 19.6 million to work with before they hit any type of tax. So what that means is between that 19.6 million, 28.5 million, anything that comes in over 19.6 million, the Celtics would be responsible for that salary plus a tax that they would get hit with. So if you have some player that's worth, oh, let's say 22.6 million, you would wanna find a way to throw in 3 million into that deal outgoing so that you can go ahead and take that back and avoid the tax we'll talk a little bit more about that later and finally it's the uh 40 year old version rule if you do not use it you lose it one year to use it or the celtics lose it they can use it now or in the off season and then it's good to go time it.
0: two minutes 21 seconds but you gotta oh. count in reaction time you know so like man, you might you may be good on that, that it was, was close good, though, man. it
1: was close man it was close, it was close. nice
0: job nice job Um, Yeah, hopefully everybody understood that, and hopefully you were taking your notes, and uh, now you understand what the traded player exception is.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think I hit just about everything that I wanted to in there. The cap stuff gets a little murky, so I didn't want to go too far down that. but I did want to let people know that there is – you know that 28.5. There's a little space in there in which it, it, the player that's coming in could cost us more for these tax implications, which I don't know enough about to go too deep into. So we won't we won't dwell yeah, on but that but ba-
0: basically too much. basically what I take from that, right? Because I was trying to wrap my head around it as you were, as you were talking, because I, I I didn't feel like I had 100% understanding until you just so eloquently told us in two minutes and 20 seconds. <laughs> um, so like, say we wanted to get someone that was 25 million, right? Mm-hmm. Just uh, hypothetically and we 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 wouldn't want to give anything up just in a perfect world. We just like acquire that player, but we gotta send something out so but since we're hard capped if we're over that nineteen million, which is six million over at twenty five right we would just need to send out say like a Daniel Tice and a Carson Edwards, which Averages to 6 million and then we're back under 19 because now that it, it balances back out under 19, right? Exactly. So, but, yeah, that, that that makes sense to me. One thing that I was confused by is I couldn't understand it. I was just like, man, so how does this work? Like w- when we trade somebody, we like, we only, we have to do like two separate deals. Like we own, we can only like acquire someone into the cap space. And then we have to do like a separate deal where we send people out. Um, but I, I didn't get the point where you can't add it on top of the exactly. TP, Right. So yep, you can't so- say 33 million. Let me put Daniel Tice into a deal. Sorry, Daniel Tice, I'm putting you into deals today <laughs> and you get someone for 33 million. So I, it, it makes sense to me now. Um, I get it. Hopefully everybody else on weird Celtics Twitter gets it as well.
1: Yeah, that's why I use the Brad Beal example because I saw that pop up again today with, you know, the James Harden news and people, you know, certain, not everyone in Celtics Twitter, but there were certain that were like, oh my God, now we got to react and go get Brad Beal right away. And once again, we talked about that. We love Brad Beal. It's just not going to happen. But even just from a salary standpoint, you couldn't take that 28.5, take Mm -hmm. Marcus's 13 or 14 and match that and be like, hey, we're matching and we'll throw in some picks just for shits and giggles. And, you know, you'll go ahead and give us Brad Beal. So, yeah, you got the idea of how it works. Let's go into, you know, the conversation that we started on Twitter or that you got, that you generated on Twitter around a certain player, because after we're going to use this as a way to set up an exercise where for those listening, we'll give you two realistic options that Greg and I each have to fill this TPE, and then we'll each give you one dark horse. But set us up, Greg, with, with how we got this all started on, on Twitter.
0: Okay. So, uh, shout out to our guy, Corey Brooks. Um, he had been posting a lot, uh, Corey's a great follow. Corey B08, uh, just advocating for the Celtics to think about acquiring Harrison Barnes. And when I first saw his tweet, I was just like, "Man, Harrison Barnes, really? Like, he he's okay, but we're we, we're trying to get something to replace Gordon Hayward. Like, that's where my mindset was at, and I feel like that's where a lot of Celtics mindsets are at. Like, we need to get something that feels like we're trading Gordon Hayward for that thing, right? But we need to kind of stop." with that mindset and just say, OK, we lost Gordon Hayward, but we do have this TPE where we can acquire someone that can help us out. So we've been networking with other bloggers and beat writers from different organizations, and we reached out to a bunch of Kings people regarding this idea of the Celtics using the TPE on Harrison Barnes. So like like I said, I, I, I wasn't initially sold on the idea because I think Barnes is overrated, but then I thought about the role he'd actually play for the Celtics, and I started to change my tune a little bit. You know, We don't need Barnes to be a star, just another star in his role. So if people want to get equal value in the TPE for what Gordon Hayward was, there just isn't any out there uh, who can provide that, honestly. And if you want that level of player, uh, you're probably going to need to give up something real. Um, and no, I don't consider Aaron Naismith real. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, that's, no, that's
1: perfect. and And I think I think you're hitting on a, a really important point is that I feel like, and this is, I think, for me, a bigger statement of the way Boston sports fans' minds are so effed up from Boston media and the takes that we all grew up with on WEEI and the sports hub. And, you know, that you see Harrison Barnes and you see he makes $22 million and you're like, overpaid. Why would we want this guy? He's he's, mm-hmm. he's overpaid. But it's not the way that we need to think about it with the position the Celtics are in. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't have any cap flexibility pretty much for the next three years with the Jays contracts kicking in Kemba's contract until the player option. And we're gonna have to make a decision not this offseason, but next season on Marcus Smart. So just really between the four of them and given the fact that the cap's likely not going up for a little bit, given all the revenue lost in the NBA, we're not really going to have a ton of cap space to work with. So if we bring in a guy that, yes, the Sacramento Kings overpaid to have him come in and be at the time what they thought was going to be a lead scorer or a second scorer for them. but if we're paying him something that we're not going to have access to after this year after this trade exception expires and he's going to be our third or fourth scoring option and that's the role that we need him to play the the money don't don't worry don't get hung up on on the money that happens way too much with boston sports media and i freaking hate it i don't like listening to local boston sports media they frustrate me and you know just a, a quick example uh al horford's first year in Boston. You and I, we, we live in Austin, Texas. So so we're down here at the time, we're living together as roommates, you know, we're watching a lot of the games together and we're starting to kind of fall in love with Al. We're 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 seeing now granted, we watch a lot of basketball and so we're picking up on smaller things that, that Al's doing to create space, setting picks and defensive rotations. Just little things that aren't gonna show up as him getting twenty ten and five in the box in, in the mm-hmm. box score. That's the really eyelashes. Sense and the gorgeous eyelashes love that that came up again on twitter i think his sister brought it up and then people started bringing out different quotes so gotta gotta shout out al's eyelashes um but and so it developed with, like, Lou Marloni and, like, a few other, like, Bostons for that, you know, Al Horford, overrated. And and I really think that that shit seeps into a lot of Boston sports fans. And it's and it sucks because it takes away from how you can really look at a player. Because we went back to Boston around the playoffs that time, talking to two of our best friends who, are, who watch a lot of basketball. They're knowledgeable basketball fans. And I remember you and I were blown away that them and almost everyone else at the local bars did not like Al Horford. Mm-hmm. You know, We were removed from that bubble and we came in like, yo, this is awesome. Al Horford's been great for us, but it's that weird disconnect of this guy makes this much money, he must do this. He Mm -hmm. must be this person. And I think, especially with this TPE, you got to back away from that and you can find that there's real value out there. I think Harrison Barnes is a great example of that.
0: Yeah, and for those of you that haven't, and I, I also put a, a blog post up, so if you want to see all these ideas kind of broken down in an article, um, check out the Celtics Noise blog. You can uh, find that off of our Twitter account. Um, so Harrison Barnes, like he, the last memory I really have of him as a player is that NBA Finals, where he was just like absolutely miserable, especially uh, towards the end of that series. He ended up averaging nine points per game, but he's really matured. You know, he's a veteran player now. He's averaging eighteen and seven on forty-three percent from distance, he gets to the line five times a game, which would be tops on the Celtics. We have a real issue getting to the free throw line, and he only takes 11, 12 shots per game, right? So that's great value and efficiency. He also, and and I was talking about the role he's going to be playing, he's going to be sitting in the corner knocking down three-point shots. He's a career 40% three-point shooter, and this year he's been on fire from from the corner shooting over 60%. Um, So he's kind of had some, if you look at his numbers throughout his career, he's kind of fluctuated from his shots from the corner, but I think the type of shot he would get with the Celtics are going to be wide open three point shots and he's going to knock those down and I, I, you know, I, I keep imagining when Kemba comes back healthy Jason Tatum setting screens for Kemba Walker with Jalen Brown and another shooter in the corner and right now that other shooter is either Marcus Smart or Sami Ojale and I would rather it be Harrison Barnes you know you got to stop he's thinking about Harrison Barnes replacing Gordon Hayward and think about who he's replacing on the current roster like that's, that's the key And to that point, I mean,
1: Gordon Hayward wanted more. And you can see how he's performing in Charlotte. He he, He deserved more. He deserved more. It just, he kept getting injured. Like, it's not anybody's fault you know, he kept getting injured. Jalen got better. Tatum got better. We brought in Kemba, who was a third team all NBA. Like it's not anyone's fault. And, and he he's right. He, he's hes not in the wrong to want a bigger role. He can clearly handle it. He's doing amazing in Charlotte right now. And it's slightly painful to see because I really wish that, you know, we could have paid him. We could have overpaid him $34 million to keep him this year. That would have been our best option. But you know, who's probably, you know, more content in that role is a guy like Harrison Barnes, who can like you said, sit in the corner, he can wait his turn. He's not going to be as, you know, he's not as needed to handle the ball. We don't need him to to handle the ball as much. We want the Jays and Kemba to be the ones handling the ball. We want the ball in their hands. We want someone to be able to support them, you know. So if they have an off night, Harrison Barnes can be a guy that can be our number 2 scorer on a night. He can be our number 2 scorer in certain lineups. He gives you a lot of versatility, you know. I think he's just a guy that's a real perfect fit if you just peel back the layers and you can remove the price tag that goes along with it, which, by the way, for for the record, he would be three years and it's descending value. So it goes from 22 to 20 to 18, which if you're getting value out of that guy, the issue with contracts like that is if you're getting a guy like, you know, Nick Batum. Or you're getting a guy that just cannot – But like when we picked up Gerald Wallace in the, in the net steal just to have him sit on the bench and throw inbounds passes at the end of the game, which was the one thing he was oddly good at. Um, like those are the players that you can't take back and you're just – those are the ones that are devastating. Harrison Barnes can still play.
0: He's a guy Harrison, that can play. L- Harrison Barnes, no matter what team he's on, is going to be in the rotation. Exactly. on any team in the entire league Harrison Barnes would be in their rotation. Like I don't I don't understand this hate on Celtics Twitter just like oh Harrison Barnes can't play. Harrison Barnes can't play. He absolutely can play. I'll give you my freaking League Pass account if you don't have one for a couple nights and you can go watch Harrison Barnes yeah. play. I've watched the Kings. They're they're on tonight. I'm going I'm I'm going to watch some Harrison Barnes and maybe, <laughs> maybe I'm going to take back everything I'm saying right now. Yeah. and Delete the article. But everything I've seen from Harrison Barnes this year is the dude's balling out. He's Bono. He's a hard worker. He's a great culture guy, great locker room guy. Celtics fans would love him. Um, just don't expect him to come in and worry about what Lou Maloney has to say, right? Just accept him for what he's going to be. He's going to be a fourth or fifth option that probably will be in our crunch time five, but on some nights against certain teams may not. And it, it's, it's just that simple. Um, one thing, dude, quick Gordon Hayward point, and I know yeah. you and I talked about this over the summer. I just wish the Celtics could have found a way to keep Gordon Hayward and get rid of Kemba. Like, if we had to choose between one of them, especially knowing what we know now about Kemba's knee, I mean, Gordon Hayward, man, uh, Marcus Smart at the point guard, Peyton Pritchard, you see what you see out of him. It's just like, man, Gordon Hayward is balling out, and I would have loved to see him um, almost running like a point forward for us. I, thought, I think that would have been really cool to see. Um, that's just one thought I had. I had to put it out there. You don't <laughs> have to respond to it, but um, I, I just I love Gordon Hayward, and I wish him the best.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, obviously, I talked about it earlier too. Gordon Hayward's having having a great year, but I, I don't think that that particular situation at the time, I think it would have been very shocking if it had
0: gone down. Oh, for like sure. That. For I'm just saying, yeah. uh, hindsight's twenty twenty. Um, and one more point I want to make about Harrison Barnes. Um, in the in the proposed deal that that I put out there to uh, some Kings beat writers, yes, and, this is
1: actually where I was going to go before we move on to our picks. I wanted I wanted to hear what are you giving up for Harrison Barnes, or what are you comfortable giving
0: up? Yeah, so I didn't know what the value would be out there, and I kind of just floated an idea out there to a beat writer for the Kings, and he accepted it like immediately. And the deal which was, I was shocked by. I was shocked. Same. The deal was Naismith, Ojala, and Tice, right? And if that's all you're giving up to get Harrison Best Barnes. Games. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And the biggest, okay, first of all, Naismith can't play. Right, you have a three year window with Kemba at the point guard, and Aaron Naismith does not fit into that window. So if he doesn't fit into that window, you can find another Aaron Naismith at some point down the road. Like it doesn't have to be Aaron Naismith. Yeah, yeah you, if you are attached to the guy, whatever. Like he he's not gonna make a difference in the in the next three years, I'm sorry. Um, and if he does, I'll eat humble pie. I want him to. I just don't think he's going to. Um, Semi has been great. He's been a revelation. But this is the first time in Semi's career that he's ever played consistent basketball. So, like, what would you rather have? A guy that's, like, a borderline all-star in Harrison Barnes who knows his role and has been doing it for a decade? Or Semi Ojale who's done it for 10 games? You you want Harrison Barnes. Third, Daniel Tice would hurt a little bit to lose. But we have a logjam at the big position. We got... Robert Williams who needs time to play and Brad Stevens just looks at Daniel Tice and says I want to minimize my risk on the defensive end Daniel Tice does every single thing I want him to do despite his size limitations so I'm going to play Daniel Tice because I trust him I know he's going to be in the right spots he's going to communicate on defense Robert Williams isn't the communicator and positional defender that Daniel Tice is. And Brad Stevens prefers some guy that's going to – he prefers the known quantity, Mm -hmm. right? And right now, Daniel Tice is the known quantity. But with Harrison Barnes coming into the fold, Harrison Barnes, first of all, is pretty much the same size as Daniel Tice. Daniel Tice is an undersized guy. He's he's playing. Yeah, and he's playing power forward for us right now in the double big lineup, which everybody on Celtics Twitter hates. So if you hate the double big lineup, like what is – Daniel Tice offering to me right now when Robert Williams everybody would prefer Robert Williams to play so mm-hmm. if we get rid of Daniel Tice that forces Brad Stevens to play Robert Williams or maybe he plays Grant Williams who knows with Brad yeah. but another thing Grant does so much of what Daniel Tice does you know and he's younger and he, he, he's a better shooter um, he was the guy that everybody was just like, why did you take him out of the game in the Eastern Conference Finals when he was covering Bam Adebayo? And you saw in the, the last game against the Heat, we put Grant Williams on Bam Adebayo. He was our pretty much our main Bam stopper, stripped the ball from him like three or four times, which he had done in that game six. And he put Tice back in the game because he just loves Tice. And we just need to rip the frickin' blanket away from brad stevens and say dude stop playing daniel tice so much he's nice tice is nice but let's play some guys that can actually raise the ceiling on this team and daniel tice does not raise the ceiling i'm done
1: all right So I, I I like that. I I like that. I'm done. That's, that's the smoothest transition that we could come up with. So let's, let's get into, because I I think another part that we got to keep in mind here is that the Celtics are giving something up with this TPE. There's something that's going Mm. out, whether it's picks or players, there's something with that. And so, you know, that was part of my pushback was, was for the Kings. You know, and I don't want to go down this too far, but I, I'm not sure that Semi or Tice have a ton of value to the Kings, but it really depends on what their goals are with this trade. I get Niesmith; He fits into a younger timeline, Halliburton, Fox. If they still are into Bagley, Bagley's kind of question mark at this point, depending on where they're going. Niesmith, I think Niesmith and Picks is probably more what they're looking at. But the point is, picks the young guys semi-enticed those are kind of the areas in which something is going to be attached to this tpe going out so let's get into a couple guys that we think are realistic targets Uh, i'm going to give you the the option to go first here so we're going to give two realistic options then we're going to give one dark horse option that we don't necessarily think will happen but it's just something interesting to think about Uh, we could go a couple different ways with how we approach that we'll see give us your first option
0: Okay, well, um, this actually was a late addition after the James Harden trade. I just figured Houston's probably blowing it up. So, P.J. Tucker. Um,
1: Ooh, okay, okay, this is interesting. All right, P.J.
0: Yeah. is 35 years old, only making about $7.5 million. Um, so, one benefit to add in P.J. is you still have a significant portion of your tpe to use if you want to go ahead and get a second player so i really like the idea of adding pj tucker within the t- part a part of the tpe um and i think that would be a really cool deal and i don't think you'd have to give up much to get him um i think the rockets are probably going to want to go towards the youth movement now and probably clear their team of all the hardened era assets so you know you he definitely can play in our closing five and he's used to playing off the ball and sitting in the corner um I don't think it would take much to get him. I would imagine like a Carson Edwards, Javante Green, and a second round pick for PJ Tucker might do the trick. You know, I don't think you're gonna have to give up much unless some other team comes in and offers a, a first round pick or something like that. Yeah. But I don't I don't see that happening because he's thirty-five on an expiring deal. So, uh, PJ so I PJ Tucker's my first be, guy.
1: I love that pick. I love that pick. And he's the guy that I have down to mention. I didn't put him as one of my options only because it's a very small portion of the of the TPE so it's something that we could easily do and fit in it's just a matter of is there because cuz he's only 8 million i think that there will be competition for him being yeah, on the market and there's sure. already and there's already twitter going around with him being potentially on the market tonight okay. you know so I, so i think that would be the only issue is that i think if you look at our our picks, which we only control our own, they're all late first round picks that we that are our own picks. We don't own anybody else's picks. Um, and then the young guys, semi Tice. Like I, I, think that there's a good chance if they're, I don't have a team in mind, but I think someone could come in and maybe, you know, come over the top and maybe offer a little bit more value if they think yeah. PJ Tucker's that piece. That even if it's a year rental, but it's a piece that they need for their championship window. Mm-hmm. Um, that they could come in and get. So, but I like that pick though. I like that pick. I, I, I had him in mind for a guy who maybe I'll talk about um in a little bit so i'm gonna i'm gonna save that but first guy i'm gonna talk about here is otto porter jr from the mm, chicago bulls okay so i think the number one thing we just talked about you know the preface of the contract amount is gonna freak people out this is gonna set celtics twitter on fire if they <laughs> do so otto porter jr is supposed to, is is 28.5 million. he's the entire tpe exception okay so it's not ideal in that sense and because of the tax implications, you may have to get a little creative. I don't know how much of the tax would end up, you know, the front office would be willing to pay. So, you know, you can throw in Javante Green, Carson Edwards. Um, you know, there's, you know, a couple other guys at the end of the bench that you can throw in here so you can get to three to five million. So you're not getting taxed on as much if you don't want to try and get a full nine million dollars in there. Mm hmm. But I think the appeal of Otto Porter, he hits a lot of those things that you talked about with with Harrison Barnes. You know, he's a 40% three-point shooter. He averages for his career about 11 points this year he's at 12.8 points he's used to playing about 25 to 30 minutes a game he plays solid d it's an expiring contract so you're not on the hook for anything beyond that it's just this year that you're focusing on with auto porter and because he costs so much money and we have this exception i really don't think that like within the pj tucker deal there's gonna be many teams that even if they like auto porter it's gonna be too difficult to try and come Man. up with 28 million to match and, and bring him into your team so i think this is an area where we have an advantage to bring in a guy like this and he's not it's not a super flashy move it's it's absolutely a move that adds us depth and adds us uh, another wing player that can you know that can play i think in a six seven man rotation in the playoffs can spell the jays is mm-hmm. he the answer to everything probably not but i think he's a real solid pickup and i think to get him the bulls are in my mind i don't i wouldn't envision that they really have him as part of their long-term plan so sure. if they can get a protected first for him they can get a second round pick and you know carson javante any of those you know any of the bench guys that aren't even gonna play I don't imagine him costing the Celtics a ton, and I think that's where there's a lot of value with looking at a guy like, like Otto Porter, along with the on-court presence that, that he brings. Mm.
0: Yeah, I, I think the only issue right, right there is the hard cap, and you know, if, if, if we can't put together um, – you know, if, if, they, if they don't want anybody on the end of our bench, then we have to ask ourselves how much of that tax is Otto Porter worth. Um, yeah. Otto, Otto Porter is one of those – so let me ask you this real quick. Would you rather have Porter or Barnes?
1: I'd rather have Barnes. I, I think I, I think Barnes is just a more dynamic player. Mm-hmm. Um, the Otto Porter portion, portion that I like is here's the thing he's drastically overpaid. I've really liked Otto Porter since he came out of Georgetown. And if you look at his numbers over his career, it's not his fault he was overpaid. He's literally been the same guy his entire career. Mm. 10 to 14 points just about every single year. 40% threes. 5 or 6 rebounds a game. A couple of assists. Pretty steady shooting. 80% from the line. Uh, Like, it's literally year after year his numbers are the exact same. It's not his fault he got overpaid. He is the player that he is. Someone else overvalued him. So, you know, if I'm the celtics and that doesn't really matter as much to me this year and this guy i'm a big believer in going for that window
0: you know yeah, is it how many years left on his deal
1: it's expiring so okay. he comes off comes off the books after this year or if we if we like auto porter you know you can go you can still re-sign a guy that you know we we could look to add him on for a much cheaper deal, yeah. If we really liked Otto Porter, if he fit and it made sense, yeah. So I think he's a really interesting option to keep an eye on. I think you're right that hard cap and the tax and how that would work out would really be the the biggest issue. But a guy that I think we should keep an eye on, and uh, I'm actually going to make an appointment to, to keep an eye on Otto Porter myself. Tune into a little bit more Bulls game, see see what he's looking like, keep tabs on him. Uh, but for now, let's go to your let's go to your number two
0: pick. Okay. Um... So this is another guy that's kind of fitting relatively the same mold, another expiring deal, but a little bit on the older side. Um, I've always liked him, my guy Rudy Gay. Uh, the Spurs are wow. trending towards a youth movement, and Gay is an expiring deal, only $14 million a year. Um, he's one of those guys where he knows he belongs on the court no matter who's playing, right? You know he's definitely on the downside of his career right now. He's mm-hmm. he has not been good this year. I was going through some of his his numbers uh, for the, for this year, and he looks pretty bad actually. Um, but he's bigger than you think, and I am kind of looking at him. He's six eight two fifty. I'm looking at him as like a Andre Iguodala 20 2018 version of of mm-hmm. Iggy. You know, like he's, that's not peak Iggy, but he, he's still good and he's still a guy that you can trust in a big moment. And I think that's what the Celtics are missing right now are just guys that you know you can put on the floor and you, they're not going to mess shit up. Yeah. So um, I think he'd fit well in Boston. He'd add something unique to our front line. I don't think there's anybody on our front line that plays like he does. Sim- kind of similar to Harrison Barnes. They're, they got kind of similar games. Um, and I don't think that we're going to have to offer much. Once again, Carson Edwards in a second round pick would probably do it.
1: And yeah. And you know, I'm a little upset. I had this whole thing planned out that I was going to do with the Spurs and you kind of stole my, my juice on it. So I don't even oh, know. Oh shit. I'm gonna my do bad. No, no, no. It's good. It's good. That's why I like that. That's why I like not knowing who you're going to pick. I'm actually surprised that, that you had Rudy Gay on your list, but he's a guy that, that I had on mine as well. You know, He's a very practical solution. He's very mm-hmm. practical. It's not going to cost a lot. It's half of the TPE for his contract. It's expiring. So yeah. you actually then have room to make another move, potentially. Mm-hmm. And like you said, I don't think that there, he would cost very much. I think really what it comes down to, and the Spurs have a couple other bigger names that also could fit into to this exception that I think are a little bit wild cards that, you know, maybe I'll talk about one of them. We'll see. Um, Do but, it. You know the thing I think with the Spurs though the Spurs are very much like the Patriots and and everyone's heard this comparison before Pop Belichick Duncan Brady, yada yada yada, but I think it's in the sense like Pop's not ever gonna really give up, you know Pop's Pop's like we're gonna we're gonna put our best foot forward and we're gonna so Pop doesn't necessarily really take that approach of of you know giving a guy away to get that late first or get that second round pick or or whatever it would it would cost you know so unless he absolutely has to and so I think you know. This is really going to depend where the Spurs are. And and one of the things that I think actually hurts our TPE is the fact that the playoffs are expanded for this year to 10 teams. There's a lot more teams that are going to find themselves having to make a decision. Are we in or are we out? Are we going for the playoffs or are we not going for Do we Do we consider being that 10 seed as making the playoffs? And for some of these teams, maybe they hold on to a Rudy Gay and they're like, you know what? We'd rather make the playoffs than get a second round pick. You know, I don't know. So I think that's a, an interesting you know, plot line that's going to play out throughout this year to see how that affects what teams are selling at the time. But I think Rudy Gay is a very interesting practical option. Half the TPE he's not going to be, you know, kind of similar to Otto Porter. He's not gonna be splashy. And when you said Andre Iguodala, I was looking through Rudy Gay stats earlier. That's exactly what I was thinking. He's kind of similar to, to an Iguodala. uh, Where he's going to be a guy that, you know, you you can play in crunch time when needed, and he's a guy that hey, he might surprise you and get fifteen to twenty for a night. You know, and maybe not even surprise you. He's just a guy that can get mm-hmm. fifteen to twenty yeah. on a night, and that's that's something we don't have a ton of on our bench as we've talked about before. So definitely, I like I like the Rudy Gay pick. Um, my next pick, uh, I'm gonna go with the guy that we've mentioned him before. Uh, I'm gonna go with JJ Redick, and JJ Redick I think is interesting for a couple options. Having a really rough start right now if you look at his numbers I haven't had a chance to watch some of the Pelicans games I know from what I've I've been hearing the fits a little bit weird just just on that team in general people are trying to to figure out is it Brandon Ingram's team is it Zion's team mm-hmm. is it both their team or, or whatever they're trying to do Eric Bledsoe and Steven Adams really mess up a lot of the spacing that they're trying to create that you would like to have guys like that to have but you know JJ's off to a real rough start he's actually under 30 percent from three but being the shooter he is I can't imagine that yeah. that's a real trend it's a slump it's not a not a yep. not a real trend his lowest points per game since 2009 but he's only 13 million he's expiring I think the Pelicans also fall into what I just said about the Spurs where do they see their season going you know is this the season where they're like we gotta get in the playoffs we gotta get Ingram and Zion experience or is this hey if we can get you know an additional late first to help build our youth movement or if we can get you know I don't know who the Celtics are willing to give up from that younger group you know I wouldn't give up probably Pritchard or Williams but if you you can easily talk me into Grant, Romeo or or Naismith or something like that to get J.J. Redick you know something like that that i can definitely be talked into jj being you know we've wanted i've definitely wanted a shoot like a pure knockdown shooter where Mm -hmm. you have kemba jalen and tatum really operating with the ball in their hands and then jj's just shooting around all over the court flying off screens or even just spacing the court in the corner and he's just a knockdown shooter jj you mentioned this before jj's a guy i totally trust if he were to end up with the ball in his hands late at the end of the game and you're like hey man you're taking the shot because he has. The shot, JJ is a guy. I I would feel very comfortable absolutely taking that shot, and that's that's a guy that in the playoffs I'm willing to trade. What I I really like Grant Williams. I would probably trade Grant Williams for for JJ reddick I don't think that's mm. that crazy of a statement, especially with all like you mentioned. We have, we have a log jam at the big spot. We have other bigs that can fill different roles. um It would be something that I would do. So I think JJ Redick's real interesting. And, and when you brought up PJ Tucker because of the 13 million for JJ Reddick, that was my other inclination was yeah maybe there's a way we can string together this TPE and get JJ and a guy like PJ Tucker that'd be nice so, you know so I, I that's why I was I was really intrigued with you bringing up PJ Tucker but what do you think about JJ
0: yeah I, I, I like JJ I don't know that I would give up uh Grant Williams for him um, I'm, I'm pretty high on grant uh but I you know I would give up uh I don't you know I don't even know that I'd give up Naismith or I, I feel like it would have to be like semi, you why know, would like Pelicans do that because what's JJ doing for them right now?
1: What's I mean, but what's semi doing for them? He's a, he's an expiring contract that does nothing. I mean, JJ's I mean he's, sitting... he's
0: younger. He, he plays defense. He's shown a little bit of promise shooting the three um you know he's definitely made strides he's someone that yeah. I think that you you could at least talk yourself into of taking a look at like maybe maybe he didn't get the right opportunities in Boston you see what he's doing with a little bit more chance this year um Grant obviously they they would want to get a better player than semi. like Grant is probably the guy that they would want or like a Naismith but I wouldn't I wouldn't give up on Naismith that quickly for a rental of JJ Reddick. Um, I think if you're going to give up Naismith, you need someone that you can kind of lock in over the next couple of years, like the Harry Barnes is of the world, um, or the next guy that I'm going to bring up. But, um, JJ would be nice. He'd be nice on the Celtics. Um, he's a great chess piece for Brad at the end of games, you know, just bringing him in, in, a ATO bring Redick off the bench. So he's sitting in the corner or running off the screen as misdirection. Um, So he's definitely someone that I think would raise the ceiling of the team. I just don't know what I would give up to get him.
1: Yeah. I mean, for me, I just, I just really believe in that window. And I don't think you get a ton, even though it seems like that window is always going to be open. Just ask the Oklahoma city thunder, Mm -hmm. you know, ask the magic back in the day. Like, you know, am I going to lose sleep if, you know, I, I I don't think I'm not really worried about anybody on our I think on our bench or on our young core that we're talking about turning into a star and really come like damn, we really fucked that up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if, if JJ can be that guy, like, you know, you think back to the championship, the Celtics won. And I was thinking about this earlier today as we're doing this research, three really important guys that that we ended up having were just three veterans that, you know, weren't splashy, James Posey. P.J. Brown, Sam Cassell, mm-hmm. all played very important roles in that championship run. And if I got to sacrifice a role player of the future for a guy that's going to help me get a championship or get closer to a championship, I can I can live with that. So for me, I'm I'm a little bit more, you know, I'll, I'll cut loose a uh, you know, and like I said, Naismith might be a little bit different because he's number fourteen pick this year. That's that's a little bit different. But mm-hmm. I think with the logjam we have at um at, at center, a guy like Grant, I actually wouldn't have as much issue moving on from Romeo if he's just gonna if we just don't know, you know. I actually like Romeo when I have seen him, but you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't Romeo in a second round pick or something. I wouldn't wouldn't bother me. My my point is, I'm I'm a little bit easier to let some of these guys go for a true veteran that can help immediately, especially with where the our real core is is Jalen and Jason.
0: Yeah, yeah, that that's fair. That's fair. Um, all right, so last one. We are You're running down. a little long. We're running a little long on time here, so we'll, we'll make this quick. So our dark horse picks here um, is a guy that we have argued about on previous pods, uh, most recently on our pod with I knew, Raul Takahashi. I,
1: I knew this was going to be your guy from the moment we set this up. I knew this was going to be your
0: guy. Really? Yes. Say the name, Zach Levine. Zach Levine, <laughs> baby. Uh, he's only 25 on the books through next season, um, and I think that. What you would be asking Zach Levine to do is just play a very specific role, coming off the bench and just lighting shit on fire, and that's all he would. it's all you would need him to do. You know, he, he. You're not trying to force a square peg into a round hole and say, uh, Zach Levine, like you gotta be like a defensive stopper. We need you to play this like efficient basketball. It's like no, we need people that can score off the bench, and Zach Levine is a really, really efficient scorer. Um, so I would love to see Zach Levine get onto this team. He's on the books through next season. Um, and I think once you get that asset, you know, as an expiring next year, you could then flip him if it doesn't work out. So I like that idea that, you know, we, we have him for this season and next season as that future asset. And, you know, I'm high on Zach Levine and I want to see him in a new system. Um, and I, I think that it'd be pretty cool, man.
1: So I, I, so despite our, you know, disagreement on Zach Levine, Tyler Hero, whatever, I don't dislike Zach Levine. I actually don't think we would have enough to get him. What, what do you think that, you know, using this TPE, what, what are the Celtics sending to the Bulls that makes this appetizing to the Bulls to do? Because I totally get from the Celtics perspective, this is an easy slam dunk. And I actually think, you know, there's there's a good, I would give up a good amount. I just I just feel like there's probably gonna be other teams that come over the top. So what do you think the Celtics are putting on the table in this hypothetical?
0: I'm gonna be completely honest with you. I haven't thought it through, <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, just thinking off the top of my head right now, I would say you probably have to give up Romeo and Naismith to start.
1: Yeah, I think that's. I
0: mean, okay. Um, so you give up Romeo, Naismith. You probably throw in. I don't know that you have to give up a future first. Maybe you do. I you just do. don't. You think so? I just don't yeah. think Zach Levine is necessarily in the Bulls' long-term plans. That's the thing, um, and I don't know how much trade value he has around the league. So you get Romeo, who I'm high on. Like I would be fine if the Celtics don't end up getting another wing, and we wait for Romeo to come back to see what he can do. I really like Romeo. Um, so, but I, I, I would, I would like to have Zach Levine on my team. So, Naismith, Romeo you got to give him one more young asset, so you probably got to go. Uh, you probably got to go Grant.
1: I mean, honestly, like I like if I'm or, the Bulls, I think. I mean, I think I think Peyton Pritchard's being discussed. I think Rob Williams no. is being discussed. I think NeSmith is being discussed. I think picks are in the conversation. Romney, like, like I think out of like. Lob, P.P. Grant, Romeo, Naismith, and picks. It's either two or three plus two or three from from each of those groups, is what I think. I think you're over. At.
0: I think you're overvaluing Zach Levine's trade value on the market.
1: I don't. I mean, dude, he's still young. The dude just put up forty-five points the other night. I don't. I'm not even a Zach Levine guy. Like, I don't even really like Zach Levine. I think what you're saying for the role that he's going to play for us, it's awesome. But I mean, I think someone would come over the top. And I mean, the picks that we're offering are all late first-round picks. Yeah. Uh, I really like Rob Williams, Peyton Pritchard. I really like. I don't know that I would say either of them jump out to me as stars. As, the, as either them having star potential, Naismith's a project. Romeo keeps getting hurt. Grant Williams seems destined for a very versatile role guy, but that's all you're getting. So you're getting seventy-five cents on the dollar with all of these, and then some late first. Like honestly, I think it might take all that whole that whole grouping.
0: No go ahead and get
1: Zach Levine or close to it. I really do. Like I I like I don't think they're just gonna give up a dude that's averaging twenty what is he averaging this year? Twenty seven points a game, twenty five points a game? Like you're not just gonna give that up for a couple role players and
0: some late first, in my opinion. That's that's fair. That's fair. What if what if we threw in Taco?
1: Well then, yeah, you got You know how much jerseys you're gonna sell with Taco, <laughs> just just for having Taco on the team. Yeah.
0: I'm kidding, Celtics Twitter. I'm kidding. I don't want to trade Taco, but no, I I, I wouldn't trade Peyton Pritchard. I actually, I'm I'm super high on Peyton Pritchard. I know that Celtics Twitter's like losing their shit over him, but yeah. I I think that this kid is probably gonna be our starting point guard when Kemba Walker moves on.
1: No, I, I love him too, and I think he's he's the main guy right now out of our young guys that, that I would hesitate to put into a deal unless I felt very confident that this player is going to go ahead and, and, and put us over the top. Everyone else I can be talked into, and I think, hey, if they end up being a solid player, I can I can live with it. I really like Peyton Pritchard as well. Uh, it would have to be for somebody that I'm convinced like this is the missing piece to putting us to a championship, because I think you can find other Peyton Pritchards out there. I think it's going to be easier to find a guy like Peyton Pritchard, then it is to find a guy like, you know, even a guy like Zach Levine that can score 25, even if it's not on a great team, that's really freaking hard to find. Yeah. So, you know, we'll see, but let, let me give you a, a, my dark horse candidate. And I actually don't even know who I'm going to say right now, because I got all thrown off by, by your <laughs> pick. So, I was all set. I had it all set up. I was gonna. I was gonna come in with a shout out to Shea Serrano and Eddie Guerrero, talking about I lie, I cheat, I steal. I'm gonna play my cheat card, and I was gonna say I was gonna give you the whole San Antonio Spurs because I think they have three interesting guys. You already brought up Rudy Gay, two other guys that I think fit in there, and I don't know that especially one of them that I don't really love, but I just think is an interesting wild card. So let's just throw it out there. Can let's I get? Can I guess? Talk about it? Yeah. I mean, you probably know at this point, but yeah. Go De, ahead.
0: DeRozan and Mills. Well, not
1: Mills. I was going to say Aldridge in Okay. And so Aldridge is the guy. I think that's a complete wild card. I think well, Aldridge is a wild move that I, I've talked myself in and out of it over the last night or two. And, you know, he can still score. He's still productive. But defensively I'd I'd have a lot of questions with him he I just hate the way he runs he runs very awkwardly um we were talking about with taco how it looked like it was so exciting seeing taco run an athletic way the other night like Aldridge is kind of going back he he looks like he's
0: playing like whack-a-mole with his feet
1: yeah it's it's very odd but he's you know he's he's definitely on the decline of his career both him and DeRozan are in expiring contracts so that's why I think they're interesting to talk about because you're just looking to get the value out of them this year Aldridge I don't really know what his value is or you know once again I don't know how the Spurs are going to treat their season because I think Pops mm-hmm. like Belichick that like they still always think that they can win even if they know they can't mm-hmm. and they're going to be frisky and they're going to be on the edge of those playoffs so it depends yeah. if if they want to go ahead and take whatever they can get back from it and I don't know what his value around the league would be however I think DeRozan's the more interesting option and I got thrown off because of the Harden trade today because I actually think Oladipo is now in the mix as potentially an option as well because he's on an expiring contract and I think Mm -hmm. if you throw some picks and Rob Williams and some or you know because he was someone that Danny Ainge was targeting in that Gordon Hayward discussion Mm -hmm. in the offseason but for good reason the Pacers weren't just going to give him to us that wouldn't have made sense now the situation is completely different that he's in Houston and if they're hitting that reset button you know, too late first and a young guy or two. I don't know if that's too much. Too, I don't know where that fits into the value proposition, but I think that could be interesting. And I, I think some, But I also think for both DeRozan and Oladipo, they're 20-point scorers. They're guys that, once again, they wouldn't be the role that they're used to, but I think they would be interesting fits, kind of in the Zach Levine mode. Yeah. Not as good at three-point shooters, obviously, but better on defense, both of them. And, you know, and I think that they would be interesting third or fourth scoring options that really give uh, the Celtics some dynamic opportunities on, on both ends of the floor. I just don't know if other teams will be in the mix if these guys are openly on the market that might come over the top with more to trade to both the Spurs and the Rockets. But that's kind of my dark horse is the Oladipo-DeRozan area of the team. Okay.
0: I would probably prefer Oladipo to DeRozan. I like DeRozan a lot. I just think, like... At the end of games, I feel like the ball's gonna be in Tatum's hands and or Brown's hands or Kemba's hands. And DeRozan doesn't play off the ball super well. Mm-hmm. He's kind of like that classic two guard Kobe MJ light, where he just like likes the ball in the mid post and does his pretty little fadeaways. Yeah, so, he's in the wrong era. Yeah, so I of of those two, I think I would prefer Oladipo. Um, I thought you were gonna say Patty Mills, man. Um, I do
1: like Patty. I like me some Patty Mills, but no, I didn't. I didn't even honestly. Uh, think of him. I was looking at you know, in full transparency, I was mostly looking at people that would fill up the majority of the TPE. Definitely. I don't, and I didn't see Patty Mills. So, I mean, I would, I do like Patty Mills though. I would, I was actually watching some Aldridge highlights and I ended up in some Patty Mills highlights before yeah. this. So uh, I'm a fan of Patty Mills. I think he'd be, you know, a great player because I'm, you know, falling less and less on the Jeff, Jeff Teague sword. And I think, you know, depending on what Kemba looks like, having some other insurance for a rookie and especially when you get to the playoffs, a guy with Patty Mills experience, that, that could be interesting. But I think the TPE is fast. Fascinating man um like i said use it or lose it we got a year so we don't have to use it this season and we could use part of it like we talked about during the regular season and maybe the other part uh during the off season or during the during the draft but i think there's a real window for the celtics right now you know i've been surprised by how well they've maintained the start without kemba and mm-hmm. the evolution of the jays is just you know it's something that I don't want to end up being that fan that, like I said, looks back at that Oklahoma City, that, you yeah. uh, know, Magic Team, and it's like, man, remember when we had the Jays and they were kicking ass and then we didn't win shit? Yeah. Like, I, did, I just don't want to be that. So, if that means giving up a project, giving up a, a young role player that could be something for somebody that makes us better right now or in the next year or two, I'm willing to make that sacrifice, I think. But, it depends on the player. And Danny ainge has got a lot of moves that he can make here. So
0: Definitely. Well, well see, hey, man. long long story short, bring Harrison Barnes to Boston.
1: Yeah. I think I think Harrison <laughs> honestly Harrison Barnes is probably the one A option of everyone that we that we just talked about. He's probably, you know, besides I don't think that I personally don't think Zach Levine's realistic he would be number one. But out of the other some of the other options, I think Harrison Barnes is probably number one. And we even had, you know, a guy that's gonna be on one of our Heroes Among Us podcast later. Uh, later this year, you know, he hit us up saying, you know, Kings, uh, Kings fan sites were talking about, hey, how do we get Neesmith to to Sacramento? Can we, you know, are they interested in Buddy Hield and and uh, and Harrison Barnes? So apparently, Kings want well, Nismith. We're we're lukewarm. Real I'll real take quick, one.
0: I know we're I know we're going super long. We might have to split this into two pods, even. But <laughs> I think you know, I I post another trade to uh, King's Twitter, and I said Naismith for Hield, straight up. And they said yes. They were like, absolutely. They they're just done with Buddy Heald. But the more yeah. I thought about it, I don't think Buddy Heald fits on the Celtics. He he wants the ball in his hands. He's he, he would need to come off the bench on this team. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't think that he would accept that role in Boston. Uh, maybe maybe if you put him in a winning culture, he changes his tune. Yeah. Um, but. The more I thought about it and the more I read how much King's Twitter was just like, get him the hell off of this team, I was like, I not don't, I don't want that problem. He sounds, it sounds like a bad guy to have in the locker room. You remember when we saw him in Vegas? You were pretty messed up that night. I don't know if you yeah, remember. Yeah, I, I
1: definitely don't remember this.
0: <laughs> yeah, but he, he, he also uh, didn't – he wasn't comporting himself very well that night in <laughs> <Yeah>. Vegas.
1: <laughs> I was too busy trying to find some strombolies. <laughs> All right, man. Let's uh, let's put a bow on this. This has been a ton of fun. Um, I'm excited to see what happens. Hopefully, we get back to some basketball. Uh, coming up on Friday against the Magic so we can have some other content that's actually based around real basketball that's happened over the weekend and uh, we, do, we do have a New Heroes Among Us Volume 3 that's coming out this weekend talking on some New York Knicks basketball the Knickerbockers are back uh, we got our guy Matt Lipsack coming in gonna be pumped for that
0: man
1: we're signing off here
0: man you know the deal Black Sheep Optimist playing you out but the peace, peace. peace.